So what I'm saying is it's about power and control and money. They don't give a shit. It's like, give somebody the option to be relevant or irrelevant. What do you think they're going to take? I mean, if they shut the fuck up and we get back to normal, then there goes the cameras, there goes the funding, there goes the money, there goes the control, there goes the power. So are they ever going to just be like, oh yeah, by the way, um, things are getting better. Yeah, COVID-19, um, no need to listen to me every day. No need to stay too glued to the television and, you know, hang on every word I say as your health minister or as your prime minister or as your president. There's no need to hang on every word I say and, you know, listen to everything I say and abide by everything I say. No need for it. Things are back to normal. Most people's ego won't allow for that. No, they need our attention. They need us under their control. It's sickening. It really is. Because when you actually create something that people want, it sells itself. You know? What they're selling is just fear and control. People are like lollygagged and lullified and nullified and whatever the fucking word is. They're they're lullabied into this complacency. We got a world acting out of complacency, not agreement. You know, they actually believe in this bullshit. And a lot of people are afraid to, you know, speak out in fear of looking dumb or being looking ridiculed, you know? Well, according to the science, them dickheads don't know a damn thing. <coughs> By the way, I have COVID. But them dickhead ignoramuses, they don't know anything. Come on. Come on. They act as if they're God or something. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm bored of it, man. I don't know how people can stomach this. It's been like two years. Like, the joke's over. Like, come on. I saw a headline talking about fourth boosters. People are now ready to get their fourth booster. So what is that, five vaccine shots? The actual vaccine, then plus four boosters? Five? Unbelievable. And they just swallow it. And they don't even think that, why am I taking five of these vaccinations if there is such a thing as herd immunity, and you can contract it no matter what you do. Vaccine or no vaccine, you can still catch COVID. Yet people are lining up for their fourth vaccine booster. Out of fear and complacency. 
They can't think for themselves and use common sense for themselves. Like, yo, this is stupid and enough's enough. You work for me, not the other way around. That's the government. We off the grid, grid, grid. This for my kid, kid, kid. Look what we did, did, did. This for the grip, grip, grip. Everything we did for the grip. Everything we do with the grip. What's up? It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent January 12th in the year of our Lord 2022. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. They say that Adam couldn't be a black, black man because a black man never shares his rib, 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 rib. I ain't trying to fit with you. I ain't trying to sit with you. I ain't fitting to get with you. I ain't fitting to do nothing with you. <laughs> I almost killed my daughter. But you didn't. You didn't. I almost killed my daughter. They say a black, black man couldn't be a, a, a Adam because a black man never share his rib, 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 rib. Junior Watanabe on my rib. What's up, folks? If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast. This is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, bellyache, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self. Y'all the dear listener. Y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, my own website, Janathan, pronounced Janathan, Janathan-Ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please, would you help my black ass out? Share me with a friend. Sharing's caring, folks. You know what truly is? Rib, 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 rib. Ribs. And if you're a returning guest to JR the P, if you know, if you don't know, if you may or may not know, or maybe you surmised, I am an actor extraordinaire. Thespian to the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. Yeah. 2022. Top of the morning to you. Ah, 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 ah. Go out and grab that life by the short and curlies. Brand new year. Doesn't feel like it. You know how like back in the day when, you know, you had the innocence of youth and you actually gave a shit about like a new year of school? Oh, goody. I gotta go see my friends again. You know, and it's back to school. And like the excitement in the air and the glow. Of a fresh new year. Much like the top of a fresh new calendar year. Now it's just like, the thrill is gone. The thrill is gone away. The thrill is gone. Like, I don't even give a bumblecut blood clot fuck anymore. You know? January 12th, I'm already over it. 2022, shmeny shmeny too. Whatever. Just another day in paradise. And you know. But still, very much hopeful. I've um, applied for my first acting gig of 2022. We'll see what happens. Um, It's a fetching project, 
that I came across online, and we'll see what happens. You know, maybe they'll take the bait, or maybe they won't, you know, but uh, we'll see. It's very interesting in this day and age, um, even pre-pandemic, you know, um, I mean, I guess back in the day, like um, if you wanted to audition for a film or maybe a, sta- maybe a stage role, whatever, some sort of acting gig, you would send in a tape. Back in the day, they had VHS, even before that, like, you know, in the 60s and shit and 70s, even back in them fucking, you know, like in the, back in them days too, like, what is it, like the 20s or whatever? People would like send in like, you know, like whatever, what is it, what was it, 35 millimeter? You know, on the big show reels and stuff, like, it's been done. You know, if you want to audition for something and you don't really want to, or you don't have access to be at the actual audition, you send in a 50, you send in a 35 milliliter, millimeter, or like a VHS tape or a, you know, cassette tape or whatever the fuck. And, you know, that would suffice. Casting director, director would, you know, pop it in the tape deck, VCR, you know. Phonograph or whatever those things are called, projector. And, you know, they'd watch it. Okay, sure, let's hire this guy. And wow, you got a job via cassette, tape. A taped audition. Well, very much the trend now, um, just due to technology and uh, the industry, is um, remote auditions, digital auditions. You know, you tape yourself or you get a clip of yourself and you email it. So it's pretty handy. And it saves you the heartbreak of crying in front of a casting director, you know. You're no good for the part. Get your backpack and your script and get the fuck out of my audition room. You're like, <laughs> you know, I, I really could do it if you just give me another chance. We said no, you degenerate. Go back to washing dishes or whatever the fuck it is you do. You'll never work this town. You know, you pull your pants up and get off the couch and couch and casting couch. This never happened to me, by the way. This is just what I imagine. This type of shit you hear people talk about, you know, they... You know, they get the old bums rush in a, on audition and, you know, they pull their pants up and they crawl out of an audition room. So, like, times have changed. Now you can just, you know, record some stupid shit off your Instagram and, hey, and send it into the casting director and ole, you know, you're an actor. So anyways, I basically took that route, you know, kept my pants on, got off the casting couch and, uh, you know, sent in a taped audition. My first of 2022. And I'm very excited and hopeful to see what transpires. Now, I ain't going to bet the farm on it. I don't really care that much. But it would be good for the old spirit, good for the old chops, and good for the old, you know, dingling. I don't know. You fill in the blank. I guess good for my heart? (laughs) Good for my conscience? I don't know what. But um, it would be good. Actually, it doesn't even fucking matter, come to think of it. 
<laughs> but we'll see what happens. You know, um, I'm open to it. And um, we'll see. You know? Um, so, looking forward to that. And I hope y'all are getting a kick at the cat. You know, getting a kick at the cat. Kicking at the cat 2022. All the best to y'all as well. Let's get it. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. Yeah. I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. And uh, what's going on? I just passed a milestone. I totally forgot. December 7th. Or was it the 8th? I don't know. Early December. 2021 was my 13th year as a stand-up comedian. Now, that might sound impressive. That might not sound so impressive. You know how those old road dogs are, you know, some grizzled old comic. Yeah, we've been doing comedy since you were in diapers, boy. You ain't got shit on me, boy. You think you're funny? You ain't no headliner, boy. You couldn't hold a candle to my mic stand, boy. You know, some grizzled old vet, you know? So like 13 years in comedy, I mean, to the layman, that's quite a bit. But to the true artist, the true craftsman, craft person, 13 years is like a tear bucket and a teardrop. Or a bucket and a tear, what? Two tears and a bucket, motherfucker. Like, you know what I'm saying. It's like a, a tear and a bucket in the world of comedy. 13 years. Not all that much. A lot of successes, a lot of failures, a lot of triumphs and tribulations in that time. I certainly learned a lot. Certainly did a lot. Certainly wasted a lot of time, you know, drunk high, laying about, you know. But hey, that's the game. And, uh, you know, I've actually, in the past year, um, hit some milestones, some benchmarks, some things that I know personally are quite challenging to achieve in a stand-up comedy career. And I'm very happy to be able to share that with y'all very soon. So, where I sit at 13 years as a stand-up comedian, I mean, all's bumps a daisy, you know? Feeling kind of groovy, working on a movie. Yeah, right, but we did nothing. Actually shitting giggles that day. You know? Of course, there were some bombs, like what you just witnessed, you know? Um, you know, it's always good to break out into a song when, uh, you know, <laughs> your mind just drifts. Or like, what am I even getting at? What am I even trying to say? You know, let's throw a dick joke in there or break out into a show tune or, you know, whatever. Make a grandiose gesture. That'll trick them. <laughs> so, you know, you know, actually bombing is something that I've come to enjoy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh. You can get to a place in comedy where you don't even really care anymore. I mean, the objective is always to be funny. 
the objective is always to, hey, let's kill these motherfuckers. I want to kill. But if we don't, we can take a gracious smattering of applause. And if that is withheld, then I'll accept a callous, detached, disinterested, uh, unanimous stare down from the audience, which can be technically considered a bomb. Hell, I can even accept booing. Heckling. Oh, that's a bitch. Because my approach to dealing with a heckler has changed a bit. Some people think um, if you're getting heckled that you double down. And if they're giving you if they're giving you a hard time, then you double down and you give it to them with both barrels. Fuck your mother. Fuck this. You're a fucking bastard child. I hope your fucking firstborn son gets raped by a pack of fucking hyenas. Like, you know, whatever. Go vulgar. Go blue. Go cringe. Go nuclear. You know, just shit on them. You know? Some people think that's the... Recipe, design, tactic for dealing with a heckler. But here's the thing. When you're, doing, when you're doing the art of comedy, whatever your bag is, you know. Uh, you know, some people are observational. Some people are cringe. Some people are um, woke. Some people are um, dirty. Some people are pun, punny. I'm a punny kind of comic, you know. Whatever the bumbleclut fuck. When you're doing the craft of comedy, I, I, I personally feel my subjectivity on the matter regarding hecklers. Yeah, I've done it before where it's like, you know, you double down, you scream at a heckler, you shit on them. I've done it where you're like a deer in headlights. You just kind of freeze and hope they shut up. I've done it where it's like... um you play along with them and it's just kind of a funny banter. Hoping that they will clue in. I've gone the route where you just ignore it. You say one thing and you ignore it and then hopefully it goes away. It's never a right or wrong way. But what I think works for me is this is a person screaming out nonsensically. They're usually intoxicated or they have some sort of spiritual malady. They just feel so small inside where it's like they can't understand the situation. See the forest for the trees. You're sitting in the audience of a stand-up comedy show. If you want to be a stand-up comic, why don't you train and, you know, take the fucking road that it takes to, you know, be a successful comic. It's not exactly easy. But no, they want to scream out like a child. Or like some spiritual, spiritually wounded person where it's like they can't even see the ugliness and the pig-headedness of their actions. Having been there myself before, I can say these things. So it's like I take the approach with a heckler where it's like, oh, this is an invalid. And what I would do, what I do now is They think the power is in saying something. 
they think the craft of comedy is just saying something, blurting out something obnoxious. Fuck you. You suck. Kiss my ass. Just screaming out something foul, thinking that that's comedy. No, it's a craft. You know, I'm a raconteur, motherfucker. Right? Like I said, I trained do digit do do diligently to do this. You know, writing, stage performance, stage presence, pantomime, hangovers, drug and alcohol problems, personal crises. All the kit and caboodle that comes with being a stand-up comic, you know? It's a craft. It's not just shouting shit out like a jackanape. Fuck you! (laughs) And then, what, am I supposed to go back and forth with that? No! Fuck you! Fuck your mother! I'm gonna tell you something. I can be very foul and cutting with a microphone. It's just like, meh, nah. I'd rather just kind of take a light-hearted approach... Wait for them to say something stupid, which they're most inevitably going to do. Point out the stupidity of their comments. Hopefully try to reason with them, get to them through humor. And if it becomes a point where they're just not getting the point, then they got to go. This is in the imagination of like I was getting booked and dealing with my own shows and I had the power to tell a club, kick that motherfucker out. Like when I get to that point or back to that point rather... You know, pandemic and problems aside, you know, when I get back to that point, you know, that's how I deal with it. It's not to go nuclear on them and try to, you know, fight fire with fire. It's I'm not even playing their game. I'm a craftsman. They're just some jackanape screaming out in a fucking audience like a moron, not understanding that they're witnessing a performance, whether they like it or not. And that they don't have to be there. I'm not going to fight fire with fire. I'm not even playing their game. They're an ignoramus. I'm an artiste. So I'll suffice to say I picked up a couple things in my 13 years of stand-up comedy. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comic extraordinaire. Yes. Quick sip of water, boss. Don't mind me, boss. In conjunction with what I mentioned there, when you're doing stand-up and... You know, you just wait for the person to say something dumb and they get tripped up and then you just nail them on it and then try to land the plane as smoothly as possible. Like, you know, let's agree to disagree. Tomato, tomato, shut the fuck up. Just let me get back to my comedy. You know, instead of, I'm going to fight fire with fire. Basically, the path of least resistance. And recognizing that spirit of negativity and backwardness is the same spirit that I battle within me at times when I'm judgmental and having ignorant and angry thoughts and 
I'm malicious with my words or I want to cut and bite at another person with my with my uh words I recently enough um bumped into an old friend and um this old friend it was nice to see them it was nice to see them and they were with um some of their friends or people in their life whatever they were with some of their people that I didn't know and you know we stop and we're having a conversation and I don't know if you can relate to this do you ever like get in a situation where it's like you're meeting somebody for the first time and it just doesn't go over well that person has misread you or is it seems like they've misread you you've misread them there's some sort of judgment it was like that. I bumped into this old friend and the person that they were with during the introductions, it came off kind of awkward and the person was kind of snippy and kind of bitchy about it. And I was like, what? you know what I mean? And, you know, uh, their, their friend wound up making a comment to me and it just, it kind of seemed like I could tell that that person didn't like me and it, it, it came off like a very bad introduction and I started thinking about it and how funny it was. And it's like, this person cast me and this person, rightfully or wrongfully, I would say wrongfully, because it's like, I really had nothing against them. But this is to my point. The person kind of miscast me. They saw me as I don't know. They took my words as I don't know. But I was getting some blowback. I could feel the blowback, the dislike, the judgment. I could feel this person was disliking me and judging me and being snippy and snide with their little comments. And I just found it funny because I'm just like, hmm, you know what? When people dislike me, especially for no reason... Even if they have a reason, but especially for no reason. If there's ever a reason to dislike people, it's all ego, right? Some people believe that you shouldn't even be upset if someone were to murder you. Because really, anything that you say or do to another is really a reflection of yourself. You can't take things personally. It's a battle with yourself, your own ego. That is some belief that is said by such writers and authors like uh, Don Miguel Ruaz, you know, The Four Agreements. I've heard, um, you know, internet personality, reverend, um, community organizer, activist, um, Heard all around the world by everybody and they mama. Jesse Lee Peterson of the Jesse Lee Peterson show on YouTube and Odyssey and various other platforms. He speaks of that as well, where it's like, um, you know, you can't blame people for your problems. You can't hate people for. You can't blame people for your problems or hate on others. Because the issue is really you. It's really you. 
Nothing another person does or says to you is about anything other than you and how you perceive it and how you take it. And I guess the most famous example of this kind of ideology or thought or not ideology, but uh, well, maybe I don't fucking know. Do I look like a fucking bookmark to you? Maybe. I bet you there is a book big enough in this world where they can use me as a bookmark. Wouldn't that be funny? The human bookmark. <laughs> you know, they just wedge me into a fucking book, you know? Ah! You know? The human bookmark. Imagine if that was a job. You know, like a human bookmark to a giant. You gotta sit around all day reading, waiting for the giant. Ho, 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 green giant. Oh, I'm done reading for the day. Get over here. Ah! He just picks you up and stuffs you in a book. The human bookmark. Little disclaimer, I'm not always hilarious. But, um, but generally speaking, I am. Anyway. You know, the most famous example of this thought is Jesus Christ. Love thy neighbor as you love thyself. Do unto others as you will have done unto you. And, you know, to go back, 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 way back to the setup, I bumped into an old friend. They were with some people. During the introductions, these people seemed to take me the wrong way. And I could feel the dislike and I could feel the awkwardness. Of course, it was unjust. And of course, I had a moment of kind of judgment towards them and disliking them. I'm like, why aren't we on the same page here? What's the big deal? What's this attitude? And I felt a little bit taken back. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? They're dealing with the same inner conflicts and craziness as I do at times. You know, these imaginary opponents. Everybody's out to get me. Everybody's out to judge me. So they're playing on their emotions when it's like, I really said nothing. I really meant nothing by what I said. They're just overly sensitive and in their own egos. And moreover, I wanted to put them at ease. I wanted to be like, you know what? I can tell you dislike me. And you know what? You're absolutely right. What's there to like about me? I don't want to argue with you about this. You don't like me? You're probably right. I'm not going to vie for your fucking affections and your your love. <laughs> and it's not even about you or me. It's about, well, it's about them. And if I was to be affected by it, it would be about me. You know? It's like, You can't be given offense. You have to take it. And in taking that offense, it's a stroke of your own ego. You know? When really, that person is just saying whatever the fuck they're saying because they're in their own ego and their own sense of judgment. And I'm affected by it because I'm in my own ego and my own sense of judgment. Who is somebody to dislike Jonathan? How can somebody dislike me at the drop of a hat. I didn't mean what they seemed to be alluding to. I didn't 
present myself that way? Why is there this contempt? Why is there this discourse? Or, um, discord. Discordant. I don't know. Discotech. Why is there this fucking dumpster of feeling between us? You know? Who gives a shit? And I wanted to, like, agree with them. I'm like, they're right. They're right. You're absolutely right. Don't like me. (laughs) You're right. You know, I just wanted to, like, you know, quiet their inner turmoil as if, like, you know, they're probably going to walk away and be like, well, I want a fucking prick. What I'm like, sir, let me save you the aggravation. Let me save you the, the muttering and the blubbering and the whatever. Like, you're right. There is no reason to like me. <laughs> That's kind of contemptuous in itself. You know what I mean? You don't like me? Fine, don't like me. It's a little contemptuous in itself. Really what it should be is, at least what I see it to be, is, you know what? How another person sees me is none of my business. And my judgment of another is none of my business. And what people do or say to me is really nothing personal. How another person sees me or judges me has nothing to do with me. What a person does or says to me has nothing to do with me. And how I judge them or whatever, I'm wrong for doing that. Because it's all the same bag of shit. Kind of inspiring when you think about it. (laughs) You know? Um... I know, it's just a funny moment for me because, you know, I'm starting to shed that ego. It's not easy, man. Because you feel so bought into the world at times. Everybody's watching me, judging me, and I want to present myself this way or some way or whatever. And when it's like, look, you can't please everyone. And even when you do please people, it, 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 it's, it's all a game of ego, you know? If, if you please someone, it's because you satisfied something in their ego. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're pleasing. And vice versa. And, you know, as I mentioned, these figures like the Don Miguel's, the Jesse Lee Peterson's, and, you know, into the spiritual realm, God... Christ, these people's message, it's do unto others as you have done unto yourself and live from within. And that's the way of peace. And there's no peace in judging your fellow man or judging yourself, judging these situations. It's all ego. And for twelve ninety five, you can get this copy of. Um, no, I'm not selling anything. Aside from uh, you know, I don't know if you want to take interest in my career. You know, I'll have things popping at various points. You know, you can tag along, follow the adventures of Jonathan Ramtrant, but you know, I don't got any fucking 
anything to sell at the moment. That may change, you know, I might get some merch or something at some point. At which point you can, you know, buy that. But I'm not selling any, um, I'm not selling my personality. You know what I mean? <laughs> I guess maybe a lot of times in my life I feel like I had been. You know? Like in that interaction with those people, I could kind of feel myself wanting to sell my personality. I'm like, look, these people, people, it's, I don't feel one should give the person an opportunity to love or hate you or care about the outcome. It should be oneself. It's not always easy to do. So, hmm. Food for thought. You know? It's good to have these little thought moments. Reflection moments, rather. So, anyway. Saw some good uh, documentaries lately. You know, little segue here. There are no fakes. This is a documentary um, by, who is it by? Jamie Kastner. And it's regarding Kevin Hearn of the Bare Naked Ladies. These apples are delicious. Broken to the old apartment. This is where we used to live. Broken glass, broken memories, broken bones. This is where we used to live. I know we don't live here anymore. I bought a house out on the Danforth. And I'm happy now. This is where we used to live. Bare naked ladies, it's been one week since you looked at me. Turn your head to the side and said I'm crazy. Oh, me nam nam something. They send a hook wick. They say you look alike, Uncle Man. Them motherfuckers are um, what they call geek rock rockers, but they also rap. And that little rap there, one week. It's been one week since you looked at me. It's like that motherfucker's rapping is all, not Kevin he- Kevin Hearn, the guy I mentioned. He's uh, the keyboardist of the group, keyboardist, guitar player. I forget who the lead singer is, but um, you know that song, one week. He's rapping his fucking balls off on that song. He put them mumble rappers of today to shame. I tell you, boy. You know, like, I was thinking, like, you know, it's like, I made up a mumble rap song the other day, you know, and I was like, you know, when I was thinking about this piece I was going to talk about, of Bare Naked Ladies and how, like, you know, they're geek rockers, technically, like, according to Wikipedia, they're in the geek rock vernacular, but yet they also do, you know, like, folk rock, indie rock, Actually, not indie rock. Can you call, you can't call them indie rock. They're a pretty big band, you know. They had like the song from the Big Bang Theory, so I guess it would be more like alt rock, geek rock, folk rock, and then like mixed in with some rap rock, rap, because I guess like they're known to rap on a few of their songs, right? And he, that guy's rapping his balls off. 
Chickadee China, the Chinese chicken. You have a drumstick and your brain stops ticking. And you watch X Files with the lights on and all the maze on. Harrison Ford, I'm getting frantic. As I'm a hip dick. Like that song hit into the cultural mosaic. That hit into the cultural mind frame, that song. It was a major song and it's a cool song, actually. I don't mind. Like it's a happy, fun song. Like when it comes on, you're telling me when you're at Walmart and, you know, you're bent over trying to lift a bag of dog food and then all of a sudden, it's been one week, comes comes over the speaker. You're telling me you don't for a moment feel pretty happy? You know? I like that song. But the guy's rapping his ass off on there. And I'm thinking like he, like, you know, being a geek rocker and a rap rocker, he actually puts a lot of these mumble rappers of today to shame. You know, like I was making up a little mumble rap song to like compare with that that song by the Bayer Naked Ladies, One Week. It's a pretty intricate rap song. Like, like they're not, they're not, yeah, it's a funny song, but like what musician is going to put out a funny song that sounds bad? Like he's obviously trying to sound good and it sounds good. That's why it's a classic song, right? Classic 90s song, right? Late 90s. Like 98 or 99 or something, that song came out. So it's like a classic 90s song for a reason. It's not like he's up there just trying to be a joke. Like, he's rapping. (laughs) You know, it's not East Coast, West Coast, hardcore, gang-banging, fucking conscious rap or anything. But, you know, it's it's a funny little folk rock rap song. But it's better than 90% of this fucking mumble rap that you hear today like i was making up a rap this could be a song i made this up in the shower in like two minutes uh yeah yeah i'm good yeah yeah i'm good yeah i'm good said yeah yeah i'm good i said i'm good yeah yeah i'm good if you think you good then you misunderstood yeah i'm good yeah uh huh. I'm good. Yeah, I said I'm good. Yeah, I I'm good. If you think you good, then you misunderstood. The complete inane retardation of what I just did could obviously be a song. I'm good. That could be a song. If I was like 21 years old again, what I would do is like. I don't know, get picked up on some stupid little weed charge. Oh, he had a fucking... I mean, weed's illegal in Canada now, but I don't know. I'd get picked up on some petty little weed charge. Then what I would do is, like, paint my hair and get braids and then tattoo my face and then just make a YouTube channel. And I'd, I'd, go, I'd go by the name Little Dippy. Oh, no, Dippy One Bill. I made that rap, I made that rap name up, like, 10 years ago. I'm like... Dippy One Bill. That just sounds retarded enough that people would be like, yo, did you get the new Dippy One Bill album? Like, it sounds dope. Like, it's, you know, it sounds like something somebody dumb would, oh, that's a good, Dippy One Bill. That's my favorite rapper. Dippy One, Dippy One Bill. So, like I said, I get picked up on some little petty weed charge. Then I'd, like, dye my hair pink or something. Then I'd put in braids. And then I'd go by, then I'd tattoo my face with a bunch of stupid shit. Then I'd call myself Dippy One Bill. Then I'd put out a song. Hey, yeah, uh, uh-huh, I'm good. I said, uh, uh, yeah, uh, 
yeah, I'm good. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I'm good. If you think you're good, then you misunderstood. Then just get like some trap beat, trap beat underneath it, you know? Some heavy bass and that fucking 16 note snare. Uh-huh. I'm good. Uh-huh. I'm good. If you think you're good, then you misunderstood. Heavy bass and some weird swirling, drugged out fucking sampling. Next thing you know, you're making a million dollars. You know, so that's what I would do. That would be my message to the youth. You know, just get into tra- trap rock, get into some trap rap uh, bullshit. And if not, you can go to school, get an education. But at least start there. Give it a try. But anyway. It's been one week. Like, that that motherfucker's rapping harder than any of them fucking mumble rappers of yesteryear. Anyway. Long story short. Uh, I watched this great documentary. Um, there Are No Fakes. And it's about Kevin Hearn's... Kevin Hearn... Of the Bear Lakey Ladies, the keyboardist, guitarist. He buys this... Um, he buys this uh, art piece by the artist Norvell Monsour. Norvell Morrissey. Morceau. Norvell Morceau. He's like this indigenous Canadian artist. He does like these... Um, whirling caricatures of indigenous culture colorful vibrant folklore style indigenous paintings highly popular in the 70s strength of the work carried through even into this day still highly regarded one of the first artists to get his work in museums i believe indigenous artist his stuff has been reviewed by the likes of like picasso other egghead ignoramus type artists of the time. Uh, who's the guy who edited, or who's the animator behind Scooby Doo? You know, Scooby Dooby Doo, I see you. We got some work to do now. We gotta get involved because the mystery is solved. Hang around for Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo Doo. Who's the animator of Scooby-Doo? I think Scooby-Doo like reviewed some of this guy's work. And he's like, hey, this is pretty good art. Okay, I made that up. Norvell more so had nothing to do with Scooby-Doo. I don't even know why I said that. It just kind of seemed funny to me at the time. But it had nothing to do with Scooby-Doo. But anyway, but he was a famous artist, this Norvell more so. And like I said, you know, he'd, he's a... Uh, Indigenous folklore style paintings. Very vibrant, very expressive. So anyways, this Kevin Hearn, he buys what he thinks is an original from like the 1970s. A Norvell Morso painting. Buys it from this auction house. Turns out It's a suspected fake. 
So then when he goes back to the art house, the art dealer, and he's like, yo, Wagwan, what's up? Like, I, I spent $20,000 on this painting, and it's a suspected fake. And you, you, and the art house, they sent him these phony leads of authentic, authenticity. Like, they basically straight up lied to him. They send him these phony leads these phony credentials of authenticity. And then the last words to him, before basically showing him the door, their last words to him are, well, can you prove that it's not a fake? There are no fakes. Hence the title of the film, There Are No Fakes. Can you prove it? Well, then there's no fakes. So, then it goes into this deep dive of, Norval, Norval Morceau, I can't even fucking pronounce his name, Norval Marceau, Norval Marceau, his work and this, this, this sprawling story of art, con, crime, family, um, family issues like it's this sprawling story of uh, this this seedy underbelly in this story and the depth that it went to and definitely an interesting uh, film you can catch it on Amazon Prime there are no fakes Yes, There Are No Fakes by Jamie Kastner. It's about Kevin Hearn of the Bare Naked Ladies. Again, um, he re- he purchases this Norvell Marceau painting, and it's like a fake. And just the, the seedy underbelling, bu- underbelly and this sprawling crime story. It's definitely worth the watch. Let's check that out. And another, um, I guess for... Additional learning, side learning. Um, there's a, another documentary which is similar in nature. There's many of them. You can find them online. But it's on the artist Wolfgang Beltracchi. Yes, if you look up that artist, Nor- or Wolfgang Beltracchi, his story is very similar. Um, in the world of art, Forgery. Wolfgang Beltracchi. You find this subject matter interesting? That's another great story. Um, This story I heard of before. There are no fakes. I heard of this story of the Wolfgang Beltracchi before there are no fakes. And with the Wolfgang Beltracchi story, there are many documentaries online. So... I don't know, just take your pick. Go on YouTube, go online, take a look. You'll probably find something good. There's like Vice documentaries, BBC, various documentaries on this character, Wolfgang Beltracchi. And then you'll get the story. It's pretty interesting. Interesting stuff. And um, it's just, it, it blows your mind. It's It blows your mind the... How what always blows my mind behind a crime is it's not so much that people commit crimes, but it's the the web trail 
the trail of associates that are connected in these stories. It's never just like a one-off. Like behind a crime is somebody that assisted with the crime, who assisted with the assistance of that crime. And it's just like a, it opens like an onion. The more layers you peel back, the more it stinks. You know, so that's what always blows my mind about crime. Just the complicity that spurs it forward. And just on a side tangent, my thought is that criminals, large criminals, notorious criminals, they're really professional evil. Because when you got anger and evil people in this world, which is obviously operating, a lot of people are just cowards. And that's what holds them back from actually pulling the trigger. But in their heart, they have that hate. They have that evil. They're just cowards. So they don't deal out the final death blow. They don't sign the forgery. They don't rob the bank. They stand from afar and hate with the same malignant fucking detachment. Being a little poetic today. They hate with the same malignant detachment of these professional evil shysters. But they're cowards. You know? That's why when you watch these documentaries on murder or, you know, white-collar crime or environmental crime or whatever, whenever you're watching these documentaries on crime, there's always a trail of these subsidiary, secondary characters that facilitate this evil. And I think that's unfortunately the byproduct of this cynical world we live in. We live in a cynical world motivated by self-interest. Nobody really cares. You know, it's a cold world. Fake love abounds. People would shoot you dead for disagreeing with you or having a different viewpoint, or being an alleged obstacle to their wants and needs, they would shoot you dead had they had the courage and had they had the guarantee of no repercussion. That's why law and order, and to an extent police, are so important. People really would do whatever the fuck if there were no consequences. That's... Pretty much what holds people in society in line. Consequences. A collective agreement that there is a certain level of decency. You know, you don't have to hold... You know, ideally, people would love their neighbor as they love thyself. But, you know, that's wishful thinking. A lot of people can't rise to that standard. Best we can do, it seems, is have laws that, you know, it's like, okay, well, at the very least, don't fuck with them or you're going to jail. That's why these laws and order exist, because otherwise people would. I believe that that's the only thing holding people back from pure annihilation. Granted, that's the beauty of a democracy. We collectively agree to that to some extent. 
So there is some beauty in that. But still, there's a large segment of the society that would commit all sorts of heinous atrocities had there not been for law and order. So definitely check out this film. <laughs> uh, there are no fakes. You can catch it on Amazon Prime and various other streaming sites. Very interesting. And, you know, thank you for indulging some of my um, pontification on... Um, is that the word? Yeah, pontificate. Yeah, you know, thank you for enduring some of my opinionated thoughts on, um, you know, mankind. And before I get out of here, sunwing.ca. <clears throat> sunwing.ca. You ever heard of, you ever hear of sunwing.ca? That's like a Canadian um vacation booking website. sunwing.ca. They have a little jingle. Sorry, I have testicles so I can't really well I think I do anyway. But like I can't really Hit that note. It's like a sunwing.ca. <clears throat> Anyways, like I said, they're like a vacation destination site. They've been in some hot water lately regarding COVID-19. And to reiterate, to reiterate my standpoint, your weekly, monthly, yearly, your weekly, monthly, yearly, till these dumb motherfuckers see clearly. COVID-19 is a political weapon used to disrupt global economies and gain control for whatever nefarious reason. Bunch of mumbo-jumbo, hogwash, baloney. It's a phony. It's a phony baloney. Now, I'm not saying COVID-19 is a phony. Yes, COVID-19 exists. But the pandemonium panic, widespread hysteria that's been induced by this media-hungry, control-freak-savvy government worldwide agenda is a bunch of baloney phony baloney you know all the information is the same 80% of people who can contract who contract covid-19 can recover without any specific treatment it affects the elderly the poor at health the overly obese children for the most part are immune all these new variants the recent one omicron apparently is considerably less harmful Vaccinated, unvaccinated, you can be a carrier. No matter what you do, you can become a carrier. And things are gearing towards a COVID-19 season. It's going to be something that is indefinite in our society. So where's the fire? And all sorts of um, conflation is being alleged in these news stories. People get admitted for COVID-19 and die tragically on the operating table, omitting the fact that these people have histories of all sorts of health issues. And it's, and it's literally these health issues that unfortunately they pass away from. COVID-19 is a political weapon used to disrupt global economies and gain control for whatever nefarious reason. Now, I don't know what the reason is, but I can tell you this. It's nefarious, all right. Hey, there's something awfully squooey going on around here. Uh, awfully squooey. 
Oh, that wascoey Wuhan wabbit. Something awfully screwy going on around here. Now, I'm not anti-vax, you know? But yo, school's out on this. Like, anyone could be a carrier of COVID-19, whether you're vaccinated or not. And if you are into vaccinations, God bless you. That's your health strategy. So, seeing as no matter what you do, you could be um, contracting COVID-19, isn't it a bit much to clamp down on every facet of people's lives in this pandemic, pandemonium state? At what point are we not going to take the foot off the neck of liberty and regain some common sense and come back to normalcy? It's not that big a deal. But the powers that be are hungry for that control. How do you make people control? How do you control people? With fear. I mean, what? I mean, if the government, the powers that be, just, you know, gave us the facts and sat down and shut up and let everybody make their own informed health decisions, like, uh, I don't know, democracy. ideally would operate. I mean, if they didn't just sit back and let the people decide their own health strategy and go by the wisdom of the current health information, and if they didn't interject fear and pandemonium, I mean, how could they very much exert their control over the populace? I mean, you can't control people unless you unless you make them afraid to death, right? So from that standpoint, I, I really do understand the government. Like, You can't control people unless you make them afraid to death. So, I mean, from that angle, of course I understand what they're about. You know? But yo, weekly, monthly, yearly, till these dumb motherfuckers see clearly. COVID-19 is a political weapon used to disrupt global economies and gain control for whatever nefarious reason. And don't take my word for it. Do you not see it? Do you not see it? Do you not look around in your life, you at home, dear listener, dear viewer, do you not see this in your own life? The way they talk about this shit is as if people should be dropping dead around us. People should be missing. Subway stations should be empty. You know, apartment buildings should be going into disrepair from the countless deaths of It's no more tragic than the flu. It's no more tragic than any containable... Well, now I'm stepping over there. I don't know about the containment issue. All I know is the facts. 80% of people can can recover without any specific treatment. It affects the elderly, the poor health, the overly obese. Children are basically immune to it. Um, The antibodies built up from... Contraction, work as a built-in defense. So a lot of people have these immunity, herd immunity, immunity after being contracted with COVID-19. And boosters and vaccines do not um, guarantee immunity. 
It's like cancer. Of course, I would never want it. But am I going to live in fear every day of my life of cancer attacking me? When there's no reason to live that way? Same thing with COVID. There's really no reason to be living this way. Given the facts. So there's this story right now. Um, the Sun Wing Party Plane. Um, these, uh, so I'll read it to you here. This is from CV, ctvnews.ca. This has been an ongoing story. Possible legal consequences begin for Sunwing passengers after feds spot 12 alleged infractions. <gasps> Existing on a plane. <gasps> and that's how tragic life has become. Health Canada has started the process for possible legal consequences for some of the passengers of the infamous Sunwing flight to Cancun on December 30th, 2021. However, the alleged infractions the agency is looking at are not related to the party on the plane, according to Quebec prosecutors. These files do not cover the events that occurred during the flight, the images of which made the headlines, said Audrey Roy Cloyter, a spokesperson for the Quebec Crown Prosecutor's Office. Health Canada also suggested it wasn't interested in people's behavior on the flight, but at other alleged problems surrounding the trip. A cowardly backpedal. Yes, you are concerned with people's behaviors. You're trying to control every facet of humanity. This crazy governmental overreach. Fuck off. These fucking people played for a pain ticket. They want to have a couple drinks, whatever the fuck they were doing on this party plane. Fuck off. Can't we tell the government that, seeing as we are the government in a democracy, allegedly? Fuck off. Never mind what the fuck I was doing. I paid for my ticket. It's none of your fucking business. No, we have to listen to this type of shit. Health Canada also suggested it wasn't interested in people's behavior on the flight, but other alleged problems surrounding the trip. Suck my dick. The Public Health Agency of Canada is following up on suspected fraudulent cases and non-respect of quarantine. We're not in a quarantine. Well, maybe they were in Quebec. I don't know. But... Far as I know, as of December 30th, Canada was not in quarantine. December 30th, 2021, Canada was not in quarantine. And I'm going to stop here. Um, I'm kind of at the point right now where it's like I got no more tears. I never had any tears. Matter of fact, it's been smooth sailing for me. Because I haven't really been caught up in the hysteria. I'm just doing my thing. Taking my health precautions. Living healthily. Playing out my health strategy. Um, I suggest that to all you and yours. These news stories are fake. This is hysteria. 
it's an interesting story because basically what happened is these people that were booked on a party destination vacation to Cancun, allegedly they were disregarding COVID-19 procedures, partying on a plane, they weren't wearing masks, even even though masks are well known to be theater, they don't really do anything. There's no common sense to it. It's more just like a a visual cue that lets, you know, the government know that you're playing their little control game. You know, it doesn't do anything. And if these people were vaccinated, which I'm sure they all were, you can't fly if unless you're vaccinated. So what's the problem? And you're already in a confined space with limited ventilation. Is there any ventilation on a plane? What difference is it if you're wearing a mask or not? Right? I'm just beaten to dog dick death. Beaten to dog dick death in regards to media and COVID-19. All I know is I can smell shit when I smell it. That's a shit article. And... I'm happy to, um, you know, I think this might be the last time I get this animated. You know, I'm not angry. I'm not, you know, I, I get animated. That's a part of, um, humor. You know, I'm a stand-up comedian. You get animated, you exaggerate, you add hyperbole to... Emphasize a story, emphasize a point. But really, I haven't been suffering during this time. I've been calm. I've been taking it one day at a time. And that's the logical route. And I would express that and extend that to anybody. And, you know, throughout the last coming up two years, I've discussed a lot about COVID-19. I've read articles, I've read statistics, I've performed about it. And now, as I mentioned, I am done to dog dick death. It's like old news, fake news. We don't really get the truth. We still don't know how it originated. That's still a muddy area. So, you know, if you would like to check out this article... It's from ctvnews.ca. ctvnews.ca, Sun Wing Party Plane. It's on various news sites. These people are getting taken up on these drummed up COVID-19 charges. I don't really know what's going on. All I know is that... I don't know. You got to be calm. You got to carry on. And unfortunately, what the government is doing is they're using this situation to gain more control, push through laws that nobody really democratically agree on. It's just whatever they say, because they're the government and these COVID-19 Laws and the COVID Pandemic Act. They broke the COVID Pandemic Act. It's, think how stupid it is when they say things like that. 
What if you being a listener to JR the P, you know, you're just listening to JR the P and whatever, you're living living your life. What if I walk up to you one day on the street and I slap you with a fine? You go, what the fuck? I'm fining you. And you go, what? You broke the JR the P fine. That clearly demonstrates that when you're viewing JR the P, Jonathan Ramsey on the podcast, section five, da, 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 it's like, you're just making up shit and charging me with it. Isn't that what's going on here? Much like what's going on with the Sunwing passenger passengers. They're being brought up upon the COVID-19 pandemic quarantine charge. And the COVID pandemic act clearly states these made up fucking laws, these made up restrictions, these made up mandates that are just being authoritarian style, dictator style, fascist style dumped on us. Just take this bullshit and eat it with a grin. We are your government. It's baloney. And it's not helping anybody. Show me where it's helping. And as I mentioned, we live in a cynical world motivated by self-interest. Nobody really cares. I'm telling you right now as a podcaster and as a performer, there's many people like me who are saying what I'm saying. Many of the people that feel like I feel. Which is, you know, we need to come back to some sense of normality. But very much so. If some sort of financial backer were to approach some people like me and say, hey, you know, curb it with the uh, political talk and uh, the, you know, just dial it back a bit and here's some money. Let me sugar, let me sugar you off the case. Let me sugar you off. Let me pat you down and, you know, throw you a couple bucks and keep you quiet. People would take that action. There's a lot of people like that. There's a lot of people bought and paid for that they don't, it's, So what I'm saying is it's about power and control and money. They don't give a shit. It's like, give somebody the option to be relevant or irrelevant. What do you think they're going to take? I mean, if they shut the fuck up and we get back to normal, then there goes the cameras. There goes the funding. There goes the money. There goes the control. There goes the power. So are they ever going to just be like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, things are getting better. Yeah, COVID-19, um, no need to listen to me every day. No need to stay too glued to the television and, you know, hang on every word I say as your health minister or as your prime minister or as your president. There's no need to hang on every word I say and, you know, listen to everything I say and abide by everything I say. No need for it. Things are back to normal. Most people's ego won't allow for that. No, they need our attention. They need us under their control. It's sickening. It really is. Because when you actually create something that people want, it sells itself. You know? 
what they're selling is just fear and control. People are like lollygagged and lullified and nullified and whatever the fucking word is. They're they're lully lullabied into this complicit complacency. We got a world acting out of complacency, not agreement. You know, they actually believe in this bullshit. And a lot of people are afraid to, you know, speak out in fear of looking dumb or being looking ridiculed, you know? Well, according to the science, them dickheads don't know a damn thing. (coughs) By the way, I have COVID. But them dickhead ignoramuses, they don't know anything. Come on. Come on. They act as if they're God or something. So, I don't know. I'm I'm bored of it, man. I don't know how people can stomach this. It's been like two years. Like, the joke's over. Like, come on. I saw a headline talking about fourth boosters. People are now ready to get their fourth booster. So what is that, five vaccine shots? The actual vaccine, then plus four boosters? Five? Unbelievable. And they just swallow it. And they don't even think that, why am I taking five of these vaccinations if... There is such a thing as herd immunity, and you can contract it no matter what you do. Vaccine or no vaccine, you can still catch COVID. Yet people are lining up for their fourth vaccine booster. Out of fear and complacency. They can't think for themselves and use common sense for themselves like, yo, this is stupid and enough's enough. You work for me, not the other way around. That's the government. I don't work for them. Tell me what to do. Suck it. And again, I'm hamming it up with this hyperbole. I mean, I don't even really care. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. People are mental. But, um... I don't know. I guess we can squeeze an episode out of this. You know what I mean? This might be one that I reflect on. This might be one where, like, let's say, like, you know, 10 years from now, my career picks up. Or, like, I don't know, hopefully quicker. Then, you know, they fucking play a clip of this or some shit. And then I'm, like, you know, forced to backpedal, which I won't. I mean, I I know I'm right. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. It's been two years. The way they're talking about this shit is as if people should be dropping Dead, left, right, and center. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't see the smoke. But I see a fire. God bless us all. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran. Reporting live for duty. On this magnificent... Uh... January thir- uh, January 12th in the year of our Lord 2022.
Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm taking the fucking laid back approach. I'm. Gotta go with a sense of, uh. Calm and common sense. So. Expect that from me going forward. Kinda done with this COVID 19. It's a phony. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. All right? Peace. Peace.